Hey, it's Chris here, and I've got a quick favor to ask you. If you've not reviewed Youpreneur FM on iTunes yet, can I point you in the right direction to do so? You see, reviews and ratings on iTunes are among the most important metrics for a podcast to rank well, something obviously that every podcaster is striving for, myself included. And as you can probably appreciate, it takes a lot of work to produce this show each week, and it would mean the world to me personally, if you were to just take the one minute needed to leave a quick review, which you can do so by simply visiting chrisducker.com forward slash iTunes. Thank you so much for doing so. And on with this week's episode. This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, now. here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 306 of Youpreneur FM, the place to be if you are a entrepreneur that wants to build a powerful, future-proof business based around you, your experience, and those that you want to serve. And boy, am I serving up an episode for you today. <laughs> you might remember back on episode 302 at the beginning of this month, I basically streamed the audio version of the opening keynote from live last year's Youpreneur Summit, which was presented by my very good friend, John Lee Dumas, on how to build a successful funnel for your business to monetize it ridiculously well. You guys loved that episode. Uh, I had a ton of tweets and messages from everyone after that came out. And uh, as promised on that episode, here we are wrapping up my birthday month of August with the closing keynote from last year's Youpreneur Summit, performed by my very good friend, Pat Flynn from over at Smart Passive Income. Both John and Pat got ridiculous standing ovations for these opening and closing keynotes, respectively. And I know you're going to love this one from Pat talking all about why the world needs you and the power that you can have, not only on the world as a whole, but on all those individual people that you come into contact with by doing what we do as youpreneurs. Thoroughly, I thoroughly suggest you get a notepad and a pen because this is a kind of show where you're going to just make copious amounts of notes just like you did with John's. So if you want to be at this year's Upana Summit, we've got some incredible speakers. You're going to head over to youpanasummit.com for more info to grab your ticket while they're still available. It's from November 3 through to November 5 in the grand city of London, England, my hometown. And I just can't wait to do this event again. I'm so excited about it. It's just honestly was easily the highlight of the entire year for me from a business perspective last year. Uh, I say business perspective because I became a father uh, for the fourth time just a couple of weeks actually before the event last year, but easily the highlight in my business calendar last year. And it's definitely going to be the highlight again this year as well. So Youpana Summit dot com. Get over there, get your tickets, and I will see you in London later on this year. Until then, enjoy Pat Flynn. Here he is. So to close up the inaugural Youpreneur Summit, please, I'm going to ask you for the last time to be upstanding, everybody, and put your hands together for my very good friend, Pat Flynn. (laughs) 
Michael. Thank you. Chris, before you sit down, yeah. I just need to tell you in front of everybody here that I'm so proud of you. Somehow, this guy who lives in the Philippines puts on an event in London, remotely, somehow, and gets me, who lives in San Diego, on the other side of the world to fly in. And not only that, to get several other amazing speakers and people from over 30 different countries to come here today. I remember when this idea was born. I'm so proud of you, dude. Good job. Let's give it up for Chris. All these tears coming out in the last (laughs) hour here. This is not good. But anyway, um, I also want to share with you why this is so important. It's not just because we've seen one man do something that was almost impossible, but also because what it means for us to all be here Today, because although the title of this presentation is The World Needs You, really what this is all about is the fact that the world needs us. The world needs us, because when you bring these minds, these like-minded people together in the same room, amazing things can happen. So I beg of you, please, this information that you've gotten this weekend, please take it and move forward in your business with it. And these relationships that you're building as well, take them forward with you into the future. Don't do what most people do after these conferences, and they just kind of sit and enjoy it for a couple of days and then go back to their normal lives. Life shouldn't be normal after this conference. And I know this firsthand because I attended a conference in 2010 where I got to meet this guy for the first time, Chris Ducker, who later on became one of my best friends. So good of a friend that we've taken professional photography together, which is what you do. (laughs) That's what you do with your best friends, right? You take professional... And you might crack jokes and horse around every once in a while. And, you know, sometimes because we're such good friends, we get into quarrels and we fight over things every once in a while. Like how to pronounce niche. (laughs) Or literally... What about chamomile? 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 I don't know. We've debated for hours on that one, too. <laughs> Aluminium. I don't agree with that. <laughs> but what I also love about Chris is not just the fun times we have together, but really how meaningful his life coming into mine has meant to my family. Because he's been a part of it ever since we started having kids. Here's a picture of us with my daughter, Kailani. And I love this picture because it makes it almost seem like this is our baby, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if, uh, if, if Kai's too excited about that. But... <laughs> no, but really, he's been there since the beginning. He's been almost their second dad from across the ocean, which has been amazing. And my uh, daughter, Kailani, has grown up. She's five years old now, my son, Kaoni. Um, and before I move on, I want to talk about their names really quick, because a lot of people ask me about their names. Kaoni, Kailani, where do those come from? Those are Hawaiian names. No, we're not Hawaiian. We're not from Hawaii. We just really love island culture. And what's really cool about Hawaiian names is that they always translate to something beautiful, right? Like my daughter, Kailani, there, it beautifully translates to sea and sky, right? Which is gorgeous, sea and sky. And then my son, Kaoni, over here, his name beautifully and eloquently translates to 
John. <laughs> like it literally, literally means John. That's it. But there is some special meaning there because my dad's name was John. And I was like, Dad, we're going to name our kid after you. He's like, really? I'm like, well, kind of. Maybe a better version of your name. <laughs> no offense to Dumas and Jance who spoke on stage earlier. But no, I have to tell you a funny story about my son because uh, what I love about Chris and I and when we chat is we talk about not just business together, but parenting together and how we can improve the lives of our children. And my son asked me the other day, we were going to lunch and we we're going to get uh, lunch for my wife and I. Um, and my son was just going to come along. And he's like, Daddy, Daddy, can I bring the iPad in the car with me today? And for the history of him ever asking this question, we've always said no, because we've always wanted him to be engaged with us in the conversations in the car. We want him to be a part of the family, not just inside of this world of Minecraft, which is the game that he's really involved with right now. But like how I love to split test emails and sales and conversions, <laughs> my wife and I love to split test just what the heck our son is going to say sometimes, because it's really funny. So we decide to play along, and I go, hey, Keone, um, what do you think my answer is going to be to your question? And he goes, fine, I'll leave the iPad in the house. And I said, no, 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 first lesson, you do not give up so easily. (laughs) And he goes, oh, okay, well, can I bring the iPad in the car? I'm like, no, that's not how this is going to (laughs) work. Now, at this point, I know I can teach him a couple lessons, right? And I was thinking back to when I was about his age and when I was asking my parents for things and the things that I did to get my way. And I could have taught him what I did when I was little, which is something I patented. It's called the pat asking technique or pat for short. (laughs) And it kind of went like this. Hey, mom, you're probably going to say no when I ask you this question. And it's totally okay if you say no. By the way, you look amazing today. (laughs) And it's totally okay. You know, I've been a good kid. And, you know, there's kids doing drugs on the streets and stuff. And I'm doing my uh, homework like I should. So, like, again, it's okay if you say no. But may I please have some gum when we go to the grocery store today? And it had about a 60% conversion rate with my mom. (laughs) And about a 1% conversion rate with my dad. (laughs) Because when I asked my dad, I'd be like, Dad, you're probably going to say no. And he was like, okay, we're done. (laughs) We're we're done here. But I'm not going to teach my son that lesson, of course. I'm going to teach him the right way to ask for something. So I go, hey, buddy, okay, can you tell me why I should say yes to you right now? And he goes, well, you know, I, I love to play Minecraft. It's a lot of fun. I can build a lot of things. And it's just, I want to have a good time. And I said, okay, well, that's an answer. And he goes, well, can I bring the iPad in the car? And I said, no, no. So he's starting to get a little frustrated, I can tell. So I, I, I bring him over and I'm like, hey, son, come here, really quick. I bring him, I come down to his level and I go, I need you to tell me why I would benefit from saying yes to having you play the iPad in the car. What's in it for me? What's it good? What I want you to do is to sell it to me. Sell it to me. And then he goes, you want me to sell your iPad back to you? (laughs) And at this point, I'm getting frustrated a little bit. So I go, no, tell me why it's good for me to say yes to you. What's in it for me? And he goes, well, if I play the iPad in the car... I won't be distracting, and, I, and, and we, can, we, can be a, we can be safer on the road. And I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. Can I bring the iPad in the car? No, not yet. So at this point, I give him one more chance. I say, son, one more try. And he sits there, and I hear his gears turning in his head, and then he says the most incredible thing that I've ever heard him say before. He goes, Daddy, you used to be an architect, right? Well, Yeah. And I bet you were a pretty good architect, weren't you? And I said, 
well, yeah, I like to think so, but are you just trying to flatter me? Like, what's going on here? And he goes, well, if you let me play Minecraft in the car, I can learn some new ways to build things, and when we get home, I can teach you how to become a better architect. (laughs) And a single tear just came right down my, my cheek, and I was like, all right, bring it in the car, buddy. You're good. You earned it. And it was really cool to see that transformation happen right then and there with my son, to have him go from realizing that it's not about what he wanted to do, but what it could possibly do for me, and to see him go through that. And since that conversation, I've noticed that he's been very good at, when asking for things, trying to figure out what the benefits are for those who he's asking that thing from. And it's really hard for us adults to actually think that way, because we've been conditioned to learn certain things and behave certain ways. It's very hard for us to understand that. But it really brings you to the secret of what makes business work. And that is, it's not about you. Yes, youpreneur, we are youpreneurs, but it's not about you. It's about who you serve. It's about who you serve. And this is why, with my son especially, and then my daughter too, entrepreneurship in education together are really important. My 10-year goal, we were talking about long-term goals just very recently, is to somehow have an impact on the curriculum in elementary schools to bring entrepreneurship into the classroom. Because I I think that's something that's so important because whether those kids become entrepreneurs or not, they're going to learn the life skills that we're all learning here now as adults in a very early age in their life that they can take moving forward with them so they can be be the best of whatever they choose to want to be the best at. Now, when I became an entrepreneur, a lot of you know my story. I was laid off from the architecture industry. I had built a website called In the Lead, which later became Green Exam Academy. And I made over $200,000 in a year after monetizing that site through a study guide and practice exams and affiliate marketing and such. So I'm not going to go into the, the, to the details of that story. But what I am going to share with you is something I haven't shared before. And those are the three things that really drastically made a big difference in my life to help me go from where I was mentally to where I am now. And the first thing is a direct result of that layoff that I had. And that first thing was that I started to take unusual action. Unusual action. A lot of people ask me, Pat, if you didn't get laid off, do you think you would be doing what you do now? Do you think you would be an entrepreneur? And I guarantee you my answer would be no. Because I was comfortable in my secure job. And although I had a lot of feelings of wanting to become an entrepreneur, I never would have taken the action required to actually make it happen because it took me getting pushed out of that industry. And actually, my first reaction when I got laid off was to call every single architecture firm that I knew and all my friends from college and beg and plead for a job. And I don't know if you know this, but in March of 2009, even after my business started taking off, I still went in for architecture job interviews because I just wasn't sure if this was the path for me. And I just wasn't sure if this is what I was supposed to do. But then I got a phone call. So by this time, March 2009, my business was making $30,000 a month selling a study guide, helping people pass an exam. There was also an audio guide that went along with it. And then I got a phone call from my boss, the one who had let me go from that old architecture firm I was at. And he calls me up. He goes, hey, Pat, how are you doing? Are things going okay? And I'm like, actually, things are going pretty darn good right now. 
And he goes, well, it's okay. I, t- I completely understand how hard it must have been. And I was like, yeah, it was hard, but I found something that could be the next thing for me. And then he goes, Pat, I want to offer you something. He ended up breaking away from that firm and started his own firm. He took a lot of my friends who were working at that firm with him. He took the same clients that I was working with. And he said, Pat, I want you to come and work for me. I want you to be an architect again because I know this is what you were meant to do because you were so good at it when you were an architect. And I want to give you a corner office. I want to give you a raise. And I want to give you a year's rent for free. And it didn't take me three seconds to say, Thanks, but no thanks. Well, I wasn't quite as rude as that. <laughs> you know, I was like, thanks, but no, I'm, I'm doing okay. And he was very surprised by that. But that was the moment I knew that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And that was the moment, the defining moment, like JLD said in the beginning, for me, because that's when I committed. So in addition to taking unusual action, this goes back to that Einstein quote that was quite eloquently paraphrased earlier yesterday, but the definition of insanity is doing the same, uh, same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You have to take unusual action. But more than that, you have to commit to this new path in life. And a lot of you are going halfway with that commitment. And when you go halfway with that commitment, you're only going halfway with those actions that are required. So you need to go all the way and commit. And then the third thing, this was the most important, was that I finally believed in me. I never thought that this is something that I was supposed to do. I never thought that I could be somebody who can build an online business on my own. I had never done it before. I never went to school for it. I thought you had to go to school and get degrees in order to do the things in life that you're qualified to do, but that's not the case. What I learned was you just need to take action and figure things out. And when I finally started to believe in me internally, the fact that, yes, I can actually do these things, then things started to fall into place for me. I started to generate even more income. Smart passive income started to get on the map. And that only happened because I finally believed in myself. So I beg and plead, you must believe in you too. Because I think it was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So it all happens in here. It's all internal. And there's a quote I want to share with you that really dramatically uh, portrays this. And that is, If an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if an egg is broken from an inside force, life begins. And a lot of you I know have a lot of external things that happen in your life that you want to make that the center and the attention and why things are the way they are. But that's not the case. The truth is things happen to us all the time. Many things we cannot control. But the things that we can control are how we react the actions that we take. And although we can't truly predict the future, the one way to honestly do that is to do nothing. Because if you do nothing, you get nothing. Now, from this point forward, I want to share with you a lot of what I've learned that has really been the foundational items that have helped me build and scale and grow a big online business. And I want to pass these things to you because they've been the most dramatic things that have really helped me shape who I've become in the business that I've created. And to introduce this, we're going to take the DeLorean back in time (laughs) to my freshman year of high school. This is coming right out of middle school, ninth grade. 
Eighth grade, you're like the top of the class, right? You're the coolest kid in school. You have all these other little kids with you. But then you go to ninth grade, and you are alone. You are the smallest kid, and I was physically the smallest kid in the school. But also at the same time, there's different classes that all your friends are all spread out. Lunch is lonely, and that's how I was feeling. I was feeling very lonely the first week of high school until one day I was walking down the halls, and I hear these two guys chatting behind me, and all of a sudden I hear one of them say the word, Shivan Dragon. Shivan Dragon? Does anybody in this room know what a Shivan Dragon is? One, two. Well, this is a Shivan Dragon. And this is a mythical creature from the card game called Magic the Gathering. And this, in my time in my life, in ninth grade, was my life. It's all I was focused on. It's all I spent my allowance on was this game. And to hear these two guys behind me who I had never met before, they were upperclassmen, say the word Shivan Dragon. When I heard that word, I stopped and I turned around and I said, do you guys play magic? And they're like, uh, yeah, we play magic. And I was like, where can I play magic? It's cool because that's all I did in eighth grade. They said, okay, we'll come to the ROTC room at lunch tomorrow and we'll see you there. And so the next day I get all excited. I bring all my magic cards to school. And I'm like, can this actually be true? Can I find my people here? So during lunch, I open the door to the ROTC room, and I see this magical sight. People, nerds, (laughs) like me, sitting at tables, playing this card game, and I found my place. This was my home all freshman year, and some of my best friends came out of those, as a result of finding this room. And that all happened because I heard two people talking about the card game and saying the magical words, Shivan Dragon. So the number one thing you have to offer your audience is you need to give them a place. You need to give them a place. You need to make them feel like they are in the right spot, like they found their people. And there's a number of different ways to go about discovering how to do this. And my favorite way to do this is by actually having real conversations with your audience. It's kind of crazy when I ask people, hey, do you ever have conversations with your customers or with your prospects? And most people love to sit behind the screen in the online world and have email conversations. But what about actual real-life conversations? One of the most, the best decisions I made, uh, one of the best decisions I made over the last couple of years is to commit to actually having Skype conversations with 10 Random people on my email list every single month. Ten. And I have an email list of 200,000. But when I have these conversations, amazing things happen. It's really funny because when I reach out, I'm like, hey, could I get on a phone call with you? They're like, is this an automated thing that you're doing? I'm like, no, this is for real. I would dare not automate that. That would be insane. But I have some of these conversations. And yes, some of them only go a few minutes and they're very shy and they, they don't have much to say. But some of them have gone for hours. Hours. What are you struggling with right now? What is working for you right now? What's something that I'm doing that I could do better? I also use these conversations to test new ideas, to get a sense of what they might think about those things, and to actually, what this does is it makes them feel very special because they're getting a lot of insider information that most people don't get. So more often than not, these 10 people become raving fans because I've taken the time to reach out to them, which is very unlikely of most people, so I would recommend you do this. But more than that, these conversations have become gold for how I've been able to progress in my business because they tell me exactly from the words and the mouths of my audience what they need help with. And more important than conversation is not just what it is that you're learning, 
but how they are describing those things that you're learning. The problems, the language, the language they are using is so important because you can have the best solutions in the world, but unless you know how to give it back to them in a way that they can respond, well, you might not as even well have a solution at all. And when you can combine these conversations and when you can learn the languages, you can then connect the dots with your audience. One thing that I do is through these conversations, I write down, and actually another part of this is empathy. You're able to actually hear the stories from your own exact audience. So when, when people say, oh yeah, like you must consider that avatar for your business, that's really important. But what about Jane, who you actually had a conversation with yesterday, who you feel because they have real problems that you can call back and ask. I love the avatar exercise, but the, the, the thing I hate about it is I can't call my avatar and talk to them. I have to guess. This takes the guesswork out. So one challenge to you is see if you can have one conversation with somebody within the next week. And I bet you that once you do this and realize just how important it can be for your business that you will likely want to have more. So these conversations, language, that makes connection. One thing I do is I write down the phrases that people say when they describe their problems. And what, what do I do with that? I put that as the subject line for my emails. I put that in the emails. I put it on the sales pages. And then I get comments like, Pat, I don't know how you know this, but you're in my head right now. I'm like, no, you just told me this earlier and I'm just giving it back to you. But this is how you make that connection. When you speak the same language, people will pay attention to you. There's a quote by Jay Abraham and that is, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume you have a solution. If you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume you have a solution. So that's giving your audience, your people, a place. Make them feel like they found their people by giving them the information they kind of already feel. All right, next. I'm going to take you back to high school again. A lot of fun things happened in high school for me. Now, just to give you some context of who I was in high school, um, I was a very short kid in high school. And just to give you some reference, uh, this is a picture of me my senior year (laughs) in marching band. And a little bit more scale here. You know, a trumpet is about uh, 18 inches tall. And I was about 19 and a half inches tall. Anyway, I was a very short kid. But luckily, I had some really, really close friends who always invited me and made me feel kind of included in their groups. And most of them were a lot taller. And luckily for me, their favorite game was basketball. (laughs) So I was very thankful to be invited to their basketball games. Um, But uh, this being my view, I was always picked last. And not only that, I expected to be picked last, but I was also never passed the ball, and I never got an opportunity to shoot. But I always wanted to just hang out with them, so I would come and play along anyway. But I never really considered it fun, because I never really got to play, even though I was there with them. So one day they were invited to, so they were actually pretty good too, which didn't help me either, but they got invited to a three-versus-three basketball tournament that was happening at one of the universities close to my home in San Diego. And they started rallying all their friends. We wanted to get like a big giant crowd of friends there to, to, to root them on. And my teammates there, they had asked me, hey, Pat, do you want to come on the sidelines with us on the bench and just hang out? You can help out, you know, give us waters and stuff. It would be really cool if you were there. And I said no. 
I said, I don't want to do that because you guys haven't really made me feel included. Now, if you had passed me the ball every once in a while, if you had let me shoot every once in a while, I mean, I'd be squirting Gatorade in your faces. I'd be toweling you off, maybe giving you massages on the sideline. I don't do that for free. But all I needed to feel like somebody who could help, who was a part of the team, all I needed was a little bit of attention. So not only is it important to give your audience a place where people can understand, well, there's people like me there too, but you need to also give them some attention. You need to make them feel like they belong. There's a big difference between having a place for them to feel like they belong and actually making them feel like they belong too. A great analogy, sticking with the basketball thing, is to just pass them the ball every once in a while. And my favorite way to do this, maybe some of you through the conversations I've had with you during some of the breaks or yesterday, um, know that I do this. And that is, I don't make it about me when I'm talking to you. I always ask you, what are you up to? Tell me about what you're up to. So in other words, and I got this from James Schramko, I love this, stop trying to be so interesting. We always do so much to try and be as interesting as possible But to be the most interesting, you need to be the most interested. So stop trying to be so interesting and start becoming interested. Reach out to your audience. Ask them what they're going through. Another way to do this is to actually show them behind the scenes. This is what's really cool about social media and live video and all these things that we have access to now. We can show a good percentage of our audience what's happening behind the scenes. And that's stuff that most people won't see. And it makes them feel more tied to their brand. I don't know if you've ever gone on like a beer factory tour or a chocolate factory tour, but those experiences matter. Not just for realizing how great that product can be or is, but also that experience is something that you then share later with others because it's something that most people don't have an opportunity to do. So how can you give your audience a backstage pass to what you're doing? That's a great way to make them feel included because you wouldn't do that if you didn't care to share. Secondly, getting your community together is a really important thing. That's why I think this is what Chris put together here is so genius, because when you bring your community together, it elevates the brand in whole. And as you know, this weekend wasn't about Chris Tucker or even the Youpreneur community. It's about all of you. But as a result, as a byproduct of that, the Youpreneur community becomes elevated, becomes stronger because they're meeting in person, becomes stronger because there are more registrants and community members now. And when you bring your community together, not only are you giving attention to them, but they're giving attention to each other. And they can form an identity as a result. The people who are part of the Youpreneur community, they're Youpreneur members, and that's how they identify themselves. And it's amazing. It's just like, um, like people who love Star Trek. What do they call themselves? Do you know? Trekkies. Trekkies. Uh, people who love Taylor Swift. Anybody know what they call themselves? Swifties, that's right. How about those of you who follow um, uh, Lady Gaga? There's your little monsters, right? Uh, John Lee Dumas, his, his Fire Nation, right? So you can create the same thing where people can identify with each other. And that allows that attention to happen almost passively. Because it's not you always giving them attention. It's them in that community that makes them feel like they're getting that attention all the time. Another one of my favorite ways to give attention to your audience is to offer small surprises. Small moments of surprise go a really, really long way. And they don't have to be very big at all. I mean, how cool is it that Chris gave you an early edition of his book, The Rise of of, of Youpreneur? It's so amazing. 
And he wanted to make sure, I, I remember when that book was being written and I was like, dude, I don't know if you can get this out on time. And he's like, I have to, because I have to give back. And this is a surprise moment I want to give my audience at this event. And I know a lot of you feel very special because of that. And we'll take that book home and read it and develop an even stronger relationship with Chris as a result. You know, this, there's a good analogy here. It's just like the surprise part is the most important thing. When you offer small things all the time, it just becomes regular, right? Like if you have a spouse and you go to bed every night and you say, good night, honey, I love you. Good night, honey, I love you. Good night, honey, I love you, right? Every night it just becomes usual. But the ones that get remembered, the ones that matter, the ones that that woman or man will share with their friends later is that random I love you, that card that you just send them at 3.48 p.m. on a Tuesday into their office for no reason. That's what gets remembered because it's different. It's a pattern interrupt. So how can you give a love letter to your audience every once in a while to make them feel like a part of the crew. Because the truth is, when you give attention, you get attention. When you give attention, you get attention. Now, we're going to fast forward. We're going to go back into the DeLorean and then go up to college now, university, uh, where I was staying at the University of California, Berkeley. And I was very big in marching band, as many of you know. Uh, Go Bears, thank you. This is why you got the award of the year. (laughs) But I was also big into architecture. And for any of you who know students of architecture, you know that we hide in our studios most of the time. So fall semester my junior year was really crazy because we had marching band and also architecture studio at the same time. So most of my friends outside of that world never saw me at all. But spring semester was pretty amazing because I didn't have any of those things. I just had two classes Two on Tuesday, two on Thursday. I had so much extra time. So I did what every male college university student would do at that age with all that extra time. Any guesses? No, not drink. Well, anyway, we'll go there later. No, I played video games. I played massive amounts of video games. And there was one particular video game that took up all of my time. And that game was World of Warcraft. A couple fists got in the air there. My people... Right there. Yeah, guys, check this out. World of Warcraft, marching band, Magic the Gathering. Yeah, hello, ladies. Yes. (laughs) I guess uh, this is why I didn't have a girlfriend until senior year of uh, college. But anyway. So World of Warcraft. It's this game. You get into this virtual world with other people. We could all join it right now. And then you select between Horde and Alliance to get a character. And you get put into this world. And you start to go on this journey. You start to slay a few creatures, collect a few things here and there, find gold, etc. But what's really amazing about this game is that within the first five minutes, I knew that I was going to be hooked. I knew. And I got so hooked, so, so much that my grades started to suffer. And I was staying up 72 hours straight with Red Bulls and monster drinks because I just had to finish that next quest. I couldn't let my clan members down. Yeah, this is how nerdy it gets sometimes. But the reason how I knew that this was going to be so big for me was because within the first five minutes, what happens? You slay a creature or two, you get some gold, and then you level up from experience level one to experience level two, all within five minutes. It's a quick little thing that happens, but it's magic because now you've unlocked so many new things. You want to go on that next quest. So what I want you to do with your audience is the same thing. You need to give your audience a quick transformation. And that quick part is the most important part. Because when you offer these transformations that are very quick and small, they lead to habits of coming back to you for more. 
And there was a book by a guy named Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. And in this book, there's one chapter specifically dedicated to the power of the small, quick win, the small transformation. And these small transformations lead to much bigger transformations down the road. So I want to ask you, is there anything in your brand that you're doing right now that offers a quick 10-minute transformation? Is there? There should be. Because if not, then it's going to take a while for people to figure out that you are the person that they need to go to, that you are the go-to person in that industry. If you can offer a small, quick win up front, they're going to continue to come back for you and understand that you are the one to go to in the industry. And not only that, they're going to want to share that too. The quick wins are also powerful because when people share it, they know that that quick win is going to happen to the people they share too. So you're also empowering your audience to help you, but also help them at the same time. That's why this is so powerful. And I know we all want to change people's lives, right? We all want to change people's lives. But if you want to change somebody's life, start by changing their day first. How can you change the day of somebody in your audience right now? So that's quick transformation. But there's another form of transformation that can happen that's a little bit more grand and bigger. And it involves these transformations that you have in your offerings right now. The products, the services, the tools, the software. Those offer those bigger transformations that can truly give people a result and help them level up with whatever it is they're trying to level up with. And this is something that was hard for me to understand. But I know now that you need to sell. And I know this is hard for a lot of people because it was so hard for me. In seven years, I had built a business, but I refused to sell my own products. And a lot of you know who've been following me knows this has changed recently with the addition of my own courses now. And I got to tell you, it's been such an eye-opening experience to see the results of people who are in the courses now, even though I've shared that same information for free for so long. Because when you package things into courses, not only is it hopefully more convenient, not only hopefully do you go into a little bit more detail or offer a few additional things that aren't offered for free on your website, but hopefully beyond that, people feel invested in making that progress. I remember when I uh, had Keone, or when my wife and I had Keone, um, I really suffered from a lack of sleep and not eating very well. And I used to eat a lot of fast food and all these kinds of things. And I got really tired. I remember my son was only like just 13 pounds. And I was going up the stairs and I was huffing and puffing. And I was like, I cannot let this happen. Because how am I going to play with my kids on the street if I can't even go up the stairs with my baby? So I decided to get really serious about my fitness. And so I had heard about this program. It's an at-home fitness program called P90X. And I was like, I, I got to get that because I can't, afford, I can't go to the gym right now. I don't have time, but maybe I can do this in my own home. So this was very attractive to me. So I go to my friends and I say, hey, guys, I'm going to start P90X. Have you ever heard of it? And most of them were like, yeah, we actually have it. Do you want the DVDs? We'll just give it to you. And I knew that if I had accepted that DVD from them for free, that I would likely not do the work. So I said, thanks, but no thanks. I went on Amazon. I bought it for $99. And I went through the program three times. I'm so thankful I went through that program until I got so tired of Tony Horton's voice that I had to move on to somebody else. But the point is, you need to sell because you need to offer your audience an opportunity to feel like they are actually transforming and and, and, um, 
just that commitment to actually do that work. And the big eye-opener for me was realizing that when you sell something, you're not taking anything away from others. That was the big moment for me, that you can sell and serve at the same time. You can sell and serve at the same time. Selling is serving. If you know your product and you know it's transformational, well, then you also have an obligation to sell. It's almost your duty because you have this cure for this disease that this person or people have, and they really need your help. And so all these tactics and and marketing strategies that you're learning here at this conference are great, especially what Matthew Kimberly talked about, because this stuff is purposeful, not just for your own life and the money that you need, but for the lives of those who you are serving too. So to finish off, I need to say that as you begin to sell, as you begin to grow your email list, as you begin to worry about the numbers, the numbers will begin to take over. And I got to a point where I got so infatuated with just the numbers that I almost gave up because certain things I was doing weren't showing me the numbers that I needed to help me realize that I should commit to moving forward. And what I mean is, in 2012, I actually was very close, actually just a week away from quitting the Smart Passive Income podcast. I know that might sound ridiculous to some of you now, knowing how big it's grown, but back then, in 2012, I was this close to quitting because I was seeing the same download numbers. I wasn't seeing any bump in my email list, and I wasn't, there was nothing to tell me that that was actually helping me with what I was doing, more so than a couple of thank yous here and there. So as I was about to quit, and I got to the point, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I got to the point where when I was hitting publish, I felt so terrible because I knew that when I hit publish, I'd have to go through the same process again. I almost hesitated to hit publish because I knew that I'd have to go through that process again, which was a struggle for me. And why do it if it's not getting me any results? But then I got this email from a man in Poland. His name is Michał. And the email started off by telling me about how I changed his life. And so, of course, I open it to then read it. And I see it's like 20 pages long. But it was a good subject line, so it caught my attention. <laughs> so I read it, and this person's telling me uh, an incredible story about how he's very active in life, uh, kind of an extreme snowboarder, and he'd go off these big jumps and stuff. And then he said that he got into this terrible accident where he broke both of his legs coming off a jump very poorly. Uh, and in this email, he actually showed x-rays of his legs at this time. And you can see the bolts there. There's another uh, view from the side there, which is, I'm seeing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, But I'm also like, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, he said that when he was in bed for a whole year, depressed, not quite understanding how to serve his wife and get back to work and serve his kids, he then discovered with all that extra time my podcast. I thought that was really interesting because I don't have a podcast related to physical therapy, but he called me his physical therapy coach because every day he would listen to my show and he would get inspired by it. And there was one particular episode where I talked about goal setting. And when you set goals for yourself, you should shoot so high that it's almost impossible to reach that goal. So this man decided with legs like this that he was going to run a marathon, a full 26.2 mile marathon. So he was training and he said every day he was listening to my show and getting inspiration and getting a little bit stronger every day. And then he started to walk and then he started to trot and then he started to run. And then at the end of this email, I see this picture of Michal crossing the finish line at the Warsaw full marathon on both of his legs. And you can even see on the bottom there, there's still things holding his legs together just in case. 
But the part of the story that blew my mind was that the sign he was holding, it's in Polish, so I didn't know how to translate it. But when he translated it for me in the email, it said, thank you, God. Thank you to his wife and kids. And thank you, Pat Flynn. was happening for a year and a half and I had no idea and I almost quit my podcast but I got got to tell you when I when I read this story you can be sure that I decided not to quit and that I had to keep going and the amazing thing about this story too is with all that time digesting that information in that podcast he learned quite a few things so he decided to create a blog in Poland helping people with personal finance which is what he had a lot of information about And he has now become one of the top bloggers in Poland, interviewed on television with one of the top-ranking podcasts in Poland as well. (laughs) In the newspaper, interviewed on television. And this is a very special moment for me because after five years of going back and forth with Michal via email, this was the first time at this event that I ever got to meet him in person. So, Michal, if you could come up here. Oh. Thank you. So, this man taught me so much about not giving up from his example and from what he's learned from me with somebody who I didn't even know existed until he told me. And I want you to think about how many Mihals are there in your life that may be consuming your content, who could benefit from what you have, who you don't even know exist yet. And Mihal was so great. Um, he offered me a gift because we, yeah. knew, we knew we were going to meet here. So his gift to me today was that banner. <laughs> Thank you. How cool is that? Thank you, man. Thank you. And he's gone on to become pretty successful in Poland. He just sold a self-published book that has sold 45,000 different copies. And he's blowing it up there. So I'm so proud of him. But the final word. Now that his story is being shared, and he's sharing it too, now there are people who are crossing the finish line of their own marathons with Mihal's name on it now. So although you're building a business for you, by you, remember, it's not about you. It's about those who you serve. Thank you. So I've got a quick question for you. What are you doing November 3rd through to the 5th later this year? Nothing? Good. Because we'd love to host you at the annual Youpreneur Summit Conference taking place in London over that very weekend. You're going to get the chance to learn from the best expert speakers in the world, network with them up close, meet and get to know hundreds of other Youpreneurs, as well as devise a plan of attack to grow your business faster than ever before, all over the course of just one weekend. 
For more info and to secure your place, just visit youpreneursummit.com and tickets are limited. So don't hang around. Do it today. That's youpreneursummit.com. I'll see you there.